Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest games on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Spello, with me is Jonathan Wilson. With us today is Alan Petullo, football writer for the Scotsman and long-suffering Dundee fan, otherwise known as a Dundee fan. Alan, <laughs> pleasure to have you on the pod. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, today we go back to uh, September 1987. It's the Skull Cup quarterfinal that finished Dundee 2, Dundee United 1. Alan, why have you chosen this game? Um, I think, ask any Dundee fan of, of my generation, they would probably pick this game as well. Um, and it is, I know it's slightly strange to think the greatest game of our life is a Skull Cup quarterfinal <laughs> win over our rivals. And it's not as if it was even the semi-finals, quarterfinals, but um, to give some context to the situation for those who didn't don't know, at the, in the 80s, Dundee United were, of course, the, the, the more successful team, which was hard to hard to bear for Dundee fans, mm-hmm. um, who were the historically the bigger the bigger club. And uh, under Jim McLean, obviously, you know, who who had been a coach at Dundee, crossed the road to become manager at Dundee United, just to really sort of make sure it stuck in the craw even more. <laughs> um, he obviously uh, oversaw this kind of revolution at Tannadice and. Uh, um, won the first trophy, uh, League Cup, the same trophy, the same competition, obviously, League Cup, uh, beat Aberdeen. Then, just to further make it stick in the craw, the, the second trophy uh, beat Dundee to win the League Cup final uh, in 1980 at Dens Park, Dundee's home. Um, so, yeah, it'd been a pretty traumatic period for, for Dundee fans, obviously. And then, you, then, just to cap it all, Dundee United won their first title uh, in 1983. Uh, with a, a last game win over guess who Dundee at Dens Park, so uh, mm. yeah, so you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of counselling required uh, for <laughs> Dundee fans at the time. Um, I I I come in, you know, I'm, I come in, you know, slightly after that League Cup final loss to to United, so I, I didn't have that to go through, thankfully. Um, obviously, I remember United winning the league at Dens, and uh, but by the time I'd started to go. To Dens Park regularly to watch Dundee um, was possibly sort of in the mid eighties, and so um, come nineteen eighty seven, I was just four, just fourteen, I think, and um, yeah, I'd had my heart broken a few times by Dundee United. Um, most um, memorably, I recall just a few months before this game in a Scottish Cup semi final between Dundee and Dundee United, at, which was played at Tynecastle Parks Ground, quite controversially because both Dundee clubs had a, had agreed. To toss a coin and play it at either Dens or Tannadice. But the SFA and the Wisdom said, no, 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 we have to play it at a neutral ground. Um, it's going to be in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So both Dundee fans and Dundee United fans ought to trek through to Tynecastle uh, for the this SFA game. SFA know best, Alan. Yeah, they obviously, they obviously do. They obviously do. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I mean, disappointingly, I think the crowd was only 13,500 when if it had been played at Dundee, well, full house, either at Dens or Tannadice would have been. Twenty odd thousand, um, but again, it was a classic. It was a classic encounter at Tynecastle, even though um, Dundee two went up at half time. I I was making plans with my sister to um, go to the final. I was so confident Dundee were going to see this through. Very foolish. I was very young and very foolish. Um, so we were two one up half time, uh, looking good for it as well. But then second half, typical Dundee collapse. United beat us three two, and. They went to the final and um, 
proceeded to lose to St Mirren. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 it's regarded, that game is regarded as, as the what-if moment for Dundee because Dundee had not won the Scottish Cup since 1910 and that was the, that was the year. We had a good team. Yeah. If we'd just seen that semi-final through uh, and then got to the got to Hamden, I'm sure we would have beaten St Mirren and that would have been uh, you know all my all my problems solved. Uh, but yet here I am, age 47, nearly 48, and I've yet to see Dundee win a major yeah. trophy. And sorry, excuse my ignorance, but what what is the difference between Dundee and Dundee United? What what determines which one you support? Go up to a Dundee and ask them that very question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I implore> you. <laughs> it's difficult to answer because not it's not as if you can either say like in Edinburgh, for example, it's the east east side. You're a Hibs fan. Yeah. Uh, west, you're at Hearts. Obviously, at Dundee, you have this curious situation of uh, the two closest grounds in in in, in Europe. I think world football and. Um, so it's not as if you know. It's not as if it's even what what part of the city you're born in. Um, what is it? Uh, I mean, the remarkable thing about Dundee football is within the same family you often get Dundee United fans and Dundee fans. So um, it's slightly perhaps similar to to, to Liverpool Merseyside, but you kind of find that sometimes as well. So it's a it's a good relationship. It is a. It's, I hate to say it. It's quite the games are 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 usually are usually fairly friendly. Um, obviously. Tense and so actually ninety minutes very tense, but you know I'm I'm still in awe of when you, when I go to watch or report on these games now as well, and you you see families walking up the road and, and some bedecked in tangerine black, others dark blue, red and white, and Dundee mm. scarves walking to the same ground, and and it's like the great the great um I, I love it again this this will be unique surely that often um the the, the the way team will often get changed in their own ground and walk across the street great, to play is. to play the game which is yeah. uh, a, a unique thing so um but yeah i, I don't know i mean i i can only my, my own story i quite like it I, I i my first game i went to see dundee play was the the first game of the 83 84 season united had just won the league and so i i, I don't know I, I don't know why i, I chose dundee it was, i think it was um just a defiance yeah. i didn't want to support the team that had just won the league i wanted to support the, the underdogs i suppose and uh and um you know, I, I have no regrets. You didn't want to be a glory supporter. Uh, <laughs> no, which I think, I you know, in hindsight, you'd have been safe with either team with that. But at yeah, the same time, uh, Dundee United were, were a big side. It's funny you talk about exactly. um, that Dundee were traditionally the biggest side because I, I grew up in Scotland myself, right, in Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, right. And I sort of, I began to sort of become conscious of football probably really sort of 89, 90, uh, really. And, and of course, for me, Dundee United were always one of the biggest sides outside the old firm. You know, you had Aberdeen as well, Hearts and Hibs. Actually, at the time, really, it was Aberdeen and Dundee United um, mm-hmm. were, were probably bigger than those two. And and as you say, Dundee, you know, they hadn't won a, a major trophy since the League Cup in the mid-70s. They had won the, the league, the top flight, of course. Not many sides in Scotland have. They could, could yes. do that. Um, but Dundee United, yeah. But they... They had a number of finals that they reached in the 80s, Dundee United, but they would always fail at the final. Um, much, I'm sure, to you, you would probably cling to that as a Dundee fan, perhaps, maybe. Yes, yeah, you did. I have to say, you did. That's terrible to <laughs> terrible to admit it. It's terrible to think. It's terrible to think that when Dundee United got to the final of the UEFA Cup against Gothenburg, everybody in British foot, everyone in Britain, was a football fan, I imagine, was saluting this achievement. Mm. Well, in, in, in Dundee, there's this little knot of bitter. <laughs> Yeah. Dundee, Dundee FC fans who are cheering on Gothenburg, <laughs> <laughs> celebrating Roma buying the ref in 1984. Oh yes, you still see you still see uh, Roma shirts at Dennis <laughs> Park. 
yeah, show my shirt. So you do actually. Well, <laughs> Absolutely amazing. That is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look. If we're talking about histories of the two sides, you know, it'd be remiss not to say that that Dundee themselves got to the semi-final of the European Cup yes, in so. the early '60s. So you know, just to get, just to be fair. Just to be well, fair. I mean, that's the extraordinary thing, isn't it? For a long, long time, Bob mm. Shankly was the more successful brother mm. because of what he'd done with Dundee. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking, it's funny, isn't it? Because this 1987 game we're talking about, I mean, it, was, it was only, I say only, 25 years earlier that Dundee had won the title and, as you say, next season got to the semi-final of the European Cup. And it, and if they had got, I mean, it's incredible to think, but if Dundee had just got past AC Milan in the semi-final and they did beat AC Milan at Dens in the second leg, obviously they'd lost 5-1 uh, in, in the San Siro after a second-half collapse, 1-1 at half-time, Second half collapse. If not for that second half collapse, Dundee would have been playing the final of the European Cup at Wembley uh, against Benfica. Mm-hmm. And I've spoken to a lot, of, a lot of Dundee team of that era since Ian Muir being one of them, Alan Gilzine. And without you know, to, to a man, they all say they all confidently would have beaten um, Benfica because the Wembley turf. Uh, they think the wide Wembley pitch they thought would have suited Dundee because Dundee were, were, were a good footballing side. Mm-hmm. Bob Kranz. Bob Crampsey, no lesser authority, called Dundee the most classical football side he'd ever watched. Mm. And, um, and so yeah, Dundee... what, had, what had Benfica ever done apart from winning exactly. the previous two years? Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 well, well, we'll now dub them the unofficial European champions of that <laughs> thank, year, thank you. Alan. So don't worry, your you know your 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 mythology is safe with us. I think <laughs> we'd never have heard of the Lisbon Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a butterfly effect, isn't it? It's just it's little things like that just go your way. If only you hadn't let in those four measly goals. <laughs> and and, and there's, there's a great great excuse, and I don't know whether it's just true or not, the great excuse that Ian Urth has told me was that the Italian photographers were using flash bulbs and um, they'd yeah. gotten, the flash had gotten burst late to the goalkeeper's eyes and, and Dundee had lost these, these four goals. But yes, you're right. But as I say, they, they did win the, the second leg. One nil, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, something. It's something to hold on to. Yeah. Um, so, so in in the, it, it, at the time, as you say, Dundee United, they are the big side in the city, mm. and mm. I, I'm guessing that would that would be grating on on Dundee, as you say, especially with that league win only a few years early. They won the league at Dens yeah. Park. I think yeah. they won it by a point, didn't they? Above uh, one of the yeah. other firm sides. Um, yeah. So, so it, was, it was a close run thing, but but it was a. There was a lot more quality because again, yeah. in this day and age, talking about mm-hmm. these Dundee sides and going far in in cup competitions, you know, winning league titles and and in, and in, and in Europe. Um, and I know we've covered quite a bit of history there. We're not yeah. just talking about that season, yeah. but one wouldn't think that though in the present day. No, no, exactly. I mean, I would still regard that Dundee team of the mid eighties as the finest Dundee team I have watched, which. For people listening again, it might not mean much, but in the early 2000s, Dundee did have a pretty good team. Uh, Claudio Knieger, obviously, oh, um, yeah. signing. And, and and I think a lot of people might be surprised by me saying that, but the Dundee team of the of this vintage had players like uh, Tosh McKinley, mm. uh, left-back, who obviously went on to Hearts and Celtic, played in the World Cup Finals for Scotland, and um, John Brown, midfield, Again, a great player went on to make his name with well, well make his name further with Rangers, uh, nine in a row team, and up front <laughs> fans still, and not just Dundee fans, Scottish football fans still regard Tommy Coyne and Keith yeah. White as the finest uh, goal scoring partnership they, they have watched, and they were a fantastic duel. Um, and which for Dundee fans made it all the sweeter. Tommy Coyne 
bought from Dundee United for pittance, £50,000, came across the road to Dens, started scoring like no one's business, ended up leading the European goal-scoring charts in this season we're talking about, and was only overtaken in the last few weeks of the season by a Turkish striker whose name escapes me, who scores like a hat-trick each game for about three weeks, and just overtook Tommy in the, in the, in the, for the Golden Boot, European Golden Boot Award. So it, it was, you're right, well, he had a, had a good team. He was a player. I mean, we saw him at the 94 World Cup, of course, with the exactly. Republic of Ireland. And exactly. if my memory serves me well, Alan, he may well have scored a winning goal in a cup final for Celtic against Rangers. He, he scored a winning goal in, uh, I don't know, was it, I don't, was it a final? It was a Scottish Cup tie. Okay. Um, I'm pretty, yeah, pretty sure. And he got, fine enough, he got bundled into the back of the net by John Brown. It's quite, <laughs> quite memorable footage of Tommy scoring. And then John Brown coming in afterward. It was quite near the goal line, very much from 10 inches or something. And John Brown just came in and booted him into the, into the goal net just for good measure. Mm-hmm. Two two teammates, two players of this of this Dundee of two ex teammates of this of this Dundee team we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. Tommy Coyne, wonderful player. That ninety four World Cup we talk about, I think his his um, lone strike strikers performance up front for Ireland against Italy in the Giant Stadium, one of the bravest performances I've ever seen from a striker. He just ran his mm. ran himself into the ground in that heat uh, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the one of the for, for me, one of the first occasions, I, I'm very conscious of a, a team playing a one up front. Um, obviously, it's, it's very much the the thing now. But back then, I remember being quite, uh, very quite interesting. So yes, um, some, some some good players. And then, if I may indulge myself, the best player I've, I've seen at Dundee in my time sporting Dundee. And again, it might surprise people who obviously have saw Cloud, Cloudy Creech play for Dundee. Jim Duffy, uh, the mm-hmm. skipper at the back, centre half. Wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah, a, a, a hard man. It's fair yes. to say as well. Yeah, but 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 yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Fifty fifty challenges were his speciality, but but had had class as well, undoubted class. Yeah, I suppose it goes without saying, really. You, you, you're playing for Dundee in the 1980s. You're not going to be a soft lad, are you? <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You're not. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, gentlemen. Well, let's have a quick break, and then after that, we'll talk about uh, the match itself. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the greatest games on the Blizzard. Right then, so um, we're in the quarterfinal of of the uh, the Skull Cup. Lovely to hear it being called the Skull Cup. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, um, the League well, Cup, of course. Yeah, Skull Skull being um, obviously a lager brand mm-hmm. at the time, although it's still 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 prominent to this day in bizarrely Brazil. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if Jonathan remembers. Well, obviously, I was there for the World Cup and. Uh, 2014, and one of the my just one of my first memories was landing yeah. in Rio de Janeiro and seeing a big lorry with skull. Alan, Alan it was totally so for me. I went, I went, went travelling in South America, right, 2005, six, and we we got to Rio, and it was like skull, <laughs> bloody hell, <laughs> my goodness. And I, you try and explain that to the people you're with, and it just deaf yeah. is, you know. No, but exactly. but it was, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad that that had the same effect on you. <laughs> because I mean. It, I mean, maybe I'm misremembering this, but my my sort of memory of Skull was it was very much the the cheap lager you drank if mm. kind of yeah there was nothing better. It was it was, mm. it was the final choice. You went to mm. the supermarket at sort of nine o'clock on the Friday night. That's probably what you'd end up with because all the good stuff would have gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Suggesting that a classy brand wouldn't sponsor the Scottish League Cup. And <laughs> I know tenants have done a lot of sponsorship, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, indeed. So, this was an, an early memory mm. for you going to uh, yeah. the match. I mean, 
it's a quarterfinal of the cup against the rivals. I mean, it must have felt like a quite a special occasion, despite mm. you know, as you say, the, mm. the the other finals and semi-finals that, that the teams had mm. been in uh, fairly mm. recently. Absolutely. Well, I was looking back at my at my scrapbook. I kept a scrapbook at the time, and the, the local uh, newspaper, the Dundee Courier, uh, on the morning of the game, uh, headline was um, you know prospective classic. You know, everything would everything had was in place for a classic match. Uh, Dun, Dundee United, obviously. The good team that they were. I mean, uh, we should say just how good they were. I mean, you look down yeah. some of those players. And yeah. you know, you know, David Nery obviously scored the brilliant goal yeah. in the the toe poker in the '82 World Cup. Um, and then people like Morris Malpass, Eamon Bannon, and mm. Kevin yeah. Gallagher, young Kevin yeah. Gallagher, yeah. Ian Ferguson, Paul Stoic. Mm. You know, it's they're, they're they're players who even sort of a you know a, a, an English audience who hasn't exactly. really paid much attention yeah. to Scottish football would be aware of. And those yeah. you know the wins against Barcelona. Uh, which were early, yeah, you know, the previous season, but earlier the same year, they sort of yeah you know, pervaded the consciousness of, of British football and I think probably European football because mm. you know mm-hmm. to 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 beat Barcelona, I mean they beat them home and away, didn't they? Both games, mm. yeah, absolutely. And in, in the quarterfinals, then I think the most the more impressive win of that run was beating Borussia Mönchengladbach in the semi, who, yeah, yeah, who were who were a very very fine team at the time and hadn't hadn't lost at home for a good possibly a good few years in, in Europe and United. Beat them, beat them, um, beat them there in Germany as well. Uh, so yeah, they were a, a pretty, a pretty formidable team. And, um, and obviously, this... Jim McLean is one of the one yeah, of the great yeah. managers with this sort of volcanic temper. Yeah. And... Oh but, I mean, what, what yeah. was what was Jockey Scott like? I mean, was he? Well, I mean, my assumption is all Scottish managers of the eighties are exactly the same. But <laughs> grizzled, is that, is, is, that, is that fair? And, uh, or... Yeah, yeah, probably fair. Well, yeah. <laughs> what What do you mean, Jonathan? In terms of just. Uh, Nar- well, nar- that, gnarly and, why would you just keep that to the 80s Jonathan that's my question <laughs> well I was sort of thinking you know you think of Fergie and you know mm. the, very much the you know, yeah. Knox. the iron fist Knox. and the iron glove yeah, but well, not yeah, much velvet yeah. going on it's, it's very much the <laughs> we'll emphasise the iron bit a, a, a lot of sticks and not very many carrots you're right to mention Archie Knox because Archie Knox jockey had succeeded Archie Knox at, mm. at, at Dens uh, Archie uh, left Dundee Shortly beforehand, to go back up to Petodrie to become Alex Ferguson's assistant, which didn't sit well with Dundee fans. Dundee manager walking out to become assistant somewhere else, but it kind of probably was the right decision in the end because he ended up at Old Trafford before long. But Jockey stepped in, and you're right what you say, Jonathan. Jockey was quite a gnarly character. You didn't suffer fools gladly, but but he was a great player. He was, you know, a wonderful, wonderful football player, and um, um, just a. Uh, if you ask Dundee fans of, of that vintage who, who, they, who they enjoyed watching the most, and Jockey would always be, I think, mentioned. He was just a, a great goal scorer. So, and, and and I was reading a quote from the newspaper report from this game. I was I was I was mentioning um, in a review of the game the next day. Uh, somebody Jockey himself says, you know, I, I was a forward forward player. I don't know how to defend. You know, so hmm. Dundee team of the time were 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 were, were a, a team designed to attack. Really, and they really were. And and it, obviously with with right and and Coyne up front, both of, both of whom are Jockey Scott signings, signed uh, within eight days of one another the previous season, I think I'm right in saying, and um, Keith Wright coming from, from uh, Wraith Rovers, Coyne, as we've said earlier, coming from across the road, and they just seemed to gel, they just seemed to gel, and it was a, a very exciting, exciting team, and if I can just project a few months further on, after this game, very quickly, towards the end of that year, 87, Dundee actually created a top-flight Scottish record, for scoring number of goals in successive games, 
both of which were away from home. They beat Falkirk 6-0 on Saturday and beat Morton on the Wednesday 7-1 at Capolo. So they were, uh, yeah, as I say, a team knew where the goals were. So as you can imagine, the anticipation for this match, uh, September the 2nd, 1987, was 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 a uh, was was been building for for a week since the draw. Dundee had beaten Dunfermline five nil on the Saturday, funnily enough, with Tommy Coyne scoring four times. Cool. And so, yeah, we were in form. We were in form. And I mean, and you, were, you were still at school at the time, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So presumably, yeah. schools were totally mixed. Dundee and Dundee United fans. Yeah, I, I well, I, 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 I hope to avoid this. Hope to avoid this. But I, I was actually, in, I was sent away to school in Edinburgh. So I was uh, very much the only Dundee fan in my school, <laughs> but um, but yeah, but uh, back in Dundee, both both uh, yeah, you know, fans as I say, the Dundee Dundee United fans were, were mixing. There was a, a bit of controversy prior to this game. Dundee had not made it all ticket, and um, so basically just turn up, pay the gate, and you come. Obviously, a huge crowd turned up. It was the last time over twenty thousand fans had been gathered inside Dens Park. And um, and I think Dundee were slightly taken aback by this, like, taken by surprise. This because the, the previous derby only fifteen thousand people had been at, so it was like five thousand more. And there was quite a lot of, if you look at the letters page in the Courier for the days after the game, a lot of disgusted Dundee fans, even given the result, who hadn't got into the game because they had to lock the doors at ten minutes before kickoff, um, saying we missed we missed the greatest night. Recent times, because Dundee hadn't got their act together and made it all ticket, so it was a it was a spellbinding atmosphere. And and um, as I as we can talk about this later, but as I say, my memories of the game itself very pure because I haven't and nobody else has ever seen any footage from the game since. Because for some reason, STV who had the rights for the Skull Cup didn't start um, showing or recording games until the semi final semi finals. So. This this game is lost forevermore. So I mean, it's a is yeah. I I that that's that fact seems quite hard to square with the fact that mm-hmm. you're getting five thousand, yeah, you know, not just five thousand, mm. but sort of thirty percent more fans than the previous derby. So why why had it captured the public imagination but not the broadcast's imagination? Good question. Good question. I I honestly do not know. And I've um I've I've done some research on into this because I I've been hopefully writing an article for for Not Meg magazine on the sixth on this um same game. And um you know overkill over or what, huh? <laughs> but um <laughs> but I and I and I have asked a couple of um you know Scottish football historians why why this wasn't why this wasn't shown and they they, they, they can't come up with a decent uh, reason either. There had been some dispute this this season before I'm right in saying um, which meant some a lot of the games hadn't hadn't been shown some TV uh, dispute, but but sports scene and the league games were, were there were highlight shows of the league games at this time, just not the Skull Cup. So um, I think it was just it comes down to STV deciding. Well, let, let's not bother this until the semi Extra thirty percent on the gate is that just because it's a quarter final, or was there something else but, going no, on? I, I definitely I definitely think Dundee fans for the first time in a long time. Knew that they, they had a good team and knew that they had a good chance of winning this match. Right. I, so that, I was looking that, at the sort of head to head, and there's that there's that spell between December '79 and September. Sorry, yeah, December '79, September '83, when there's 13 games in which Dundee failed. You know, don't win, don't beat United. But it seems to be roughly, you know, maybe slightly United on top, but roughly 50-50 yeah, yeah, yeah. from then. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But this absolutely. is the sense that the the the, the United yeah. are past the peak, and now is where you can get at them. 
Yeah, well, I, I you know I think so. I think United are probably still at their peak, but I think Dundee, as I say, were were <sighs> as playing as good as attractive football as they have done for many many years and have done since. So I, did, I think that a lot of them, Dundee fans who might have been lost to to go into games in the previous years were, were definitely attracted back because one of these letters I'm talking about, there's some angry fans saying, you know, I, I admit, I admit I'm not a season ticket holder. I've not been to a game for many, many years, but I won't be back again after the <laughs> retreaters. <laughs> Only typical, typical Dundee. Um, but, but you're right, Jonathan, absolutely right. Dundee had a better Derby record than they had any right to have in that period because obviously United were, were a good team, but Dundee were still, um, still had a happy knack of, 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 of some posting some decent wins over United at Tannadice and Dens, more often at Tannadice, funny enough. And and this this game, this derby we're talking about, is was the first the first game of, of guess how many meetings that season? Incredible. Well, eight, eight meetings. Yeah, eight. because in the in the cup later on in the Scottish Cup, later on, yeah. he had to go to a second replay. To that's right. The side, that's yeah. right. That's right. So yeah. Was, uh... No, she didn't choose that one because Dundee United won it three 0 in the end. <laughs> yes. but, uh... <laughs> but we've had enough of the bad memories. Let's let's, get, let's yeah. drill down into this one. So, it's a Dundee United. I, I I think it's fair to say probably be favourites for for the yes. game despite yes. it being away from home, although, as you've said, away from home is about 100 feet away from <laughs> where their home is. Um, and it didn't take long to get the first goal of the game, and it was former Dundee player himself, Ian Ferguson. That's right, that's right, yes. Can you tell yes. us what happened? Because, of course, you you could say anything and we'd have to believe and it. Exactly, this is why I chose this game. <laughs> you, 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 you can't contradict me, whatever I say. <laughs> yeah. But falling off, my memories, again, it's funny how your memories... Um, of the game are possibly wrong, and and, and reading the reading the reports again, uh, I remember the the Ian Ferguson goal, this early goal. You talk about being scored at the opposite end of the ground, so it just shows you that. <laughs> it's funny how, how, how memories become warped with the with the with the, with the time. But uh, I think I'm right saying it was a header. Um, looking at a picture of it, it looks like a header. Yeah, just go with that. Um, <laughs> and it was at the what the Provost Road end of the ground. I actually thought it would be the TCK end, but um, and it was uh, it was after six minutes, I think. And from that point on, it was almost um, constant pressure from Dundee United. For, the way I'm talking is that Dundee had swept United off the park this night, but Dundee were very much the the second best team until very very late on. When um when Tommy Coyne managed to steal a steal an equaliser with, with 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 just a few minutes left, and I can still remember it's funny this raw emotion inside me, um this just uh, building and uh, seeing the school, seeing the school at my end of the park. I was in the, the main stand, lovely old main stand at Dens Park. Archibald Leach, Leach Jonathan, one of his one of his finest finest designs, um and uh, section F, father and son section. So I was watching this, and Tosh McKinley cross Tommy Coyne managed to just um, dive in before Hegarty, I think it was, and, and, and the ball uh, crossed the line, and that was just with a few minutes left. And the roar, the roar was something I can still remember to this day. And it's funny you'll find Dundee fans, wistful Dundee fans, uh, still quoting this paragraph from the, the Dundee Courier match report from the, the following morning's paper. And I just read it here: the night sky was split asunder with the roar that followed. And, and as the dust settled, Harvey went on for many, and United manager Jim McLean left the director's box for the trackside bench. <laughs> <laughs> so McLean obviously took this point to thinking, oh dear, things are getting serious here. Dundee are back in the game and came down to the, to the dugout. And if I just, sorry, I just mentioned many there. Vince Many, uh, another player that played that night, the, the first Scot to score a goal in the Bundesliga 
Yeah, good, good knowledge. <laughs> for Cologne. So Dundee signed him from Cologne with great excitement amongst Dundee fans. We've signed this German crack from Cologne <laughs> and he was uh, never as a player promised so much and delivered so little. He's, uh, he's, uh, he, was, he was later dubbed Mince, Mince Venny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Vince yeah. Venny. <laughs> he knows he's probably assimilated into Scottish society if he's got that name. <laughs> the, I mean, the, reading the report, it it sounds like the first half particularly was just all Dundee United. I mean, yes. the, the, the report I read suggested that Dundee United's keeper Billy Thompson hadn't touched the ball until the fifteenth minute. Mm. But it was yes, it was yes, such yes. a sort of siege for that first half. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I guess yeah. that thing of you know we can't finish him off, and yeah, so you start thinking, yeah. oh no, it's going to be one of those mm. nights. Yeah, exactly. I think that was that was the case, um, and uh, and and obviously Dundee got the equaliser at, at the right moment. Game on, on, on that equaliser, by the way, this is yeah. <laughs> and this adds to the the mystery of what happened that evening. Mm. I, I found on a on a uh, one of the sort of some blog or, or or whatever it was that Keith Wright got the equaliser. No, right, right. No, so so got, again, he, it shows you. The, yeah. the memories are kind of yeah. all over the place, but as you said, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's fascinating you say that because I mean it really is remarkable. There's no, yeah, I'm looking back at looking at Scottish Cup ties and you know, there's, there's there's footage existing of Scottish Cup ties in the 1920s, mm. you know, third <laughs> third round ties, you know, not not even finals I'm talking mm. about, and here we are, not nothing, not even a club, not even a club. You'd have thought the club would have some kind of guy operating a video just for for tactical reasons, much as anything else, up in the gantry, but but no, nothing. So nothing exists, and uh, I mean it's strange uh, that because you know there's two two obvious examples to me from English football that are roughly contemporaneous. There was the famous goal that Jan Molby scored, would have been, um, I was it be eighty four five or eighty five six, but during the strike during during the, mm, yeah. the period when football wasn't on English telly, and it was it sort of gained this sort of mythic status that he picked the ball one halfway and beaten eighty four men and lashed in from three thousand yards. And then they finally did find some like, a security camera or something and oh, got footage of it. And it's a good goal, but it's nothing like yeah. as good as people suggested. <laughs> and yeah. the other, the other one is the again would have been eighty five, and it's the Milk Cup semi final second leg when Sunderland beat Chelsea three two at Stamford Bridge. Mm-hmm. And um, there's the mention. <laughs> uh, Ken Bates had refused TV cameras in. Uh, and I'm I'm still not clear whether that was a financial decision or whether right. uh, it's because he was worried about the inevitable crowd trouble because there'd been crowd trouble in the first leg, and it was obvious what was going to happen. And the second leg is is horrific. It's one of the you know, right at the height of of violence in English football. And you know, the Sunderland's second goal is a police horse in the box as the ball crosses the line. Mm. So <laughs> flipping it. There is an argument that probably shouldn't have counted, but who, who's who's counting now? Um, Did they get that Newcastle fan to kind of usher it? <laughs> <laughs> and in, in the end, the the footage that exists of it was uh, Sunderland, the club, had got permission to to tape the game for their own research, for their own, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, to build their own database. Mm-hmm. And they then immediately sold that to Tyne Tees, and Ken Bates was furious. But mm-hmm. you know, Sunderland had just won a semi final of a mm-hmm. milk cup. It's not not the kind of thing that happens every week. So. Yeah. But I th- I thought you were going to say that, that there was a Robin Friday goal for Reading apparently, which was meant to be an right. Yeah, yeah. Just, but, but that one... that wouldn't have been top flight, though, would it? Whereas no. I think what makes this odd is True, it's the yeah. last stages of a major tournament, yeah. major competition. So it is odd that we're talking, th- well, yeah, comfortably yeah. our lifetimes. Yeah. maybe yeah, maybe I... not Marcus's, but certainly yeah. mine and yours, yeah. Alan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can it's only the... thirty-five years ago, and it's. But I can remember in the mid mid perhaps I mean, late nineties. Apparently, 
um, old Chico Charlie scored uh, like a halfway line job for Hibs or something like mm. that in the cup. Mm. Mm. And that was at Easter Road. And that there was no cameras there. Everyone so, at school was going, oh, apparently he's, there's yeah. this goal. And it, yeah. it's a very, very strange one. Very strange. But we'll, we but we'll take your word for it, Alan. That yes, well, I'm still, you know, it's one of those things you think, oh, maybe maybe sometime something on earth, somebody on earth, a video recorded, videotape in their VHS or Beta, Beta Max in their attic. Mm. Of some cine camera footage or something, so I'm, I'm still hopeful. Something yeah, like. it turned out that Dundee United actually won the game. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, it, it, but the game was taken to extra time, as I understand yeah. it, and yeah. Dundee found a winning goal yeah. in extra yeah. time. What was your memory of that? Um, not great uh, in terms of uh, if you ask me to if you ask me to replot the move, but I do remember in the Long following ball. following days, um, following the next home match. Again, just this goes back to this no footage existing. Um, somebody had, had had drawn a Stephen Borland, I'll give him a, a mention, had, had drawn a cartoon, um, quite a rudimentary cartoon of the of the actual goal of how it, the move, uh, how how it how it came to be the, the winning goal, Keith Wright's goal. So so in the next uh, home match program was this car, cartoon diagram of the goal. So that was as good as it got in terms of uh, having yeah. something to. Uh, to um to remember the goal by and it was a move involving I think Tommy Coyne and Graham Harvey who was who'd come on a substitute another another striker and played Keith Wright in I think left of the left of the penalty area he came in and just stroked the ball past Billy Thompson into the corner at the again as I say at the Provost Road end of the ground where all three goals were scored and uh, again the the the, the the roar is something that will, will, will remain with me, um, but I must, I must, I do have to say this because here I am, here I am talking about this what I feel is the greatest game in, in my lifetime, and I've, I've, uh, I've been very fortunate to cover World Cup finals and uh, uh, cracking games like uh, Real Madrid, Man United at, at, um, at Old Trafford when Ronaldo scored that, that, that famous hat trick, Brazilian, Brazilian Ronaldo. Here I am talking up this Dundee. Dundee United Skull Cup quarterfinal, and as my greatest game, and I, I asked Dad, my dad, who keeps a, a diary, farming diary, I could look back at it's it for uh, second second September nineteen eighty seven. So I looked, I looked back, I looked back at it, and uh, I don't know if you want me to read out what he, what he yeah, made. please do, yeah, yeah. Was, ju- was just a uh, uh, goes to show he didn't find it quite quite so so mem- memorable. Um, <laughs> f- f- uh, fine and dry. Uh, morning, uh, in, in moving Classon, which is a, a type of grain, he tells me, Classon from from the clay's field into the dryer, as in the grain dryer, started to cut at 11am, uh, finished and then started on the peas. Poor crop, out until 8pm. Dentist in afternoon. Then the last line, take Alan Duncan, my friend Duncan, Roseanne, my sister, to Dens to watch Dundee beat United in Skull Cup. Two one. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, and it, and it's the only information that we can we can absolutely be sure of, uh, considering that nobody nobody has any footage of the game. Yes, exactly. Oh, um, and uh, so Dundee managed to see out see out the game. Um, I'll just quote the last paragraph of the of the career. Then, with the exultant Dundee fans on their feet, applauding their heroes, Shannon Drab Shannon. Flatten his back with cramp and the entire Dundee bench leaping in the air with joy. It was all over. Dundee were in the semi final. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and what they happened probably, in the semi-final? Yeah, they probably well, lost two 0 to Aberdeen. Yeah. If, if, I, if I may, if I may, another reason why this match exists so yeah. deeply in my memory: Jim Duffy, we talked about earlier. Jim Duffy, the finest player I've seen in a Dundee shirt. Uh, the following Saturday, Dundee were at Ibrox. Jim Duffy turned awkwardly in the ground, did his knee ligaments, and and had to announce his retirement the following week. Uh, and in, in one of the the greatest blows of my young footballing life, mm. I still remember the Sunday Post headline informing us all of this again before the internet the first time you knew this was literally opening the paper on the sunday morning i remember and it was um duffy's career over That's and terrible. so this 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 happened obviously just a week before the semi-final and dundee were playing aberdeen who were our bogey team anyway mm-hmm. in the semi-final at tanadice huge crowd again at tanadice um even given the duffy news there was still a great deal of expectation anticipation from dundee fans and we were one nil down within 20 25 seconds i think Robert Connor scoring for Aberdeen, ex-Dundee player. It was a cruel, cruel, mm-hmm. cruel moment. And uh, I think, as I say, this game, this game we're talking about, this was the, the, the last the last 90 minutes, the last 120 minutes, so it proved of Jim Duffy being the player he was. Mm-hmm. He did he did try and make a comeback a couple of years later for Dundee. And he did well. He, he did come back and play play again, but... He himself, he himself concedes he was seventy five percent clear he was. So, hmm. um, you know, there is some. As I say, it's a great night, but very much there is a, a poignancy attached to it as well. Sure, yeah, and of course, if they hadn't have conceded those two goals to Aberdeen, they may well have won the tie and probably beat the Rangers <laughs> in the final. Alan, exactly. You know, so uh, <laughs> oh, Alan, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this game. I think we've got clarification on what happened that evening. <laughs> Thank um, you. Good, uh, you good. know. Um, yeah. the plot hasn't thickened anymore I think that's it we've got it yes. and, um, and it's, <laughs> yeah. been, it's, been, it's been a pleasure thank you very much for thank, you very, the pod. thank you very much thank you uh, for more stories like that do check out theblizzard.co.uk um, so there we are uh, thank you very much for listening appreciate it uh, we're back next week with another great game for football thank you Jonathan cheers thank you thank you for listening see you next week <laughs>